Welcome, welcome, everybody. I hope you've had a great Wednesday. I hope you've had a great week. I'm super excited about today's episode because I have read a lot about Hellenistic astrology or the origins of Hellenistic astrology, but it's so vast, it's so complicated that it's hard to, you know, really pinpoint the moments that matter if you're going to explain it to somebody else. And I'm, I, it really pushed me to learn it in a way that is, you know, succinct and less complicated. And I'm excited to share it with all of you. In later episodes, I'm going to explore Vedic, Chinese, and Egyptian astrology. But for right now, I want to focus on the system of astrology that we in the West are most familiar with, and that's Hellenistic astrology. But first... Let me quickly tell you some cool information before we start this episode. My first YouTube video will be going up this weekend. Yay! (laughs) It's, It's all about why I would use which card system. So certain questions are answered easier using different card divination systems. So how do you know when to use tarot? How do you know when to use oracle cards? How do you know when to use cardamancy or Lenormand? And I bet some of you haven't even heard of the last two card systems. So you're going to want to find out about them because they could change how you approach reading people and they could actually even change what cards you usually use. Like once I started using cardamancy, I stopped using tarot for a little while because the questions that I was getting were so much better suited for cardamancy than they were tarot. And Lenormand has its place that I think is essential if you want to get really good at card reading for people that just trumps a lot of other um, systems when it comes to things like what's going on in my whole life or, you know, if they have multiple questions that you want to answer in one spread. It's it's really, really cool card system. So make sure you check out that YouTube video. Make sure you sign up to my mailing list because this week when I send out my newsletter, you will also see the uh, the YouTube video in the newsletter. So you'll receive it. So make sure you check that out. And the next cool thing is I was recently interviewed on a an amazing podcast by Anna Tunk. It's called How to Be Human. And we talk about meditation. We talk about life. We talk about feelings and, you know, moving through pain. And I think it's it was just such an awesome conversation. I'm so honored that she had me on her podcast. I'm going to leave a link to that episode in the description box below. And a lot of you know that I created a 30-day meditation journey, and uh, I love it. It's amazing, especially if you've never done meditation before, if you've found found it really difficult to keep a practice going, then this would be a really great way to start for you. And there is a 25% discount. It is The Aquarian 25. The Aquarian 25. T-H-E-A-Q-U-A-R-E-A-N 25. All one word. It takes 25% off. And you can find the link to that in the description box below as well. All right, so let's get on to the episode. I want to begin this episode with a quote from the book, Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune by Chris Brennan. At its core, Hellenistic astrology was originally designed as a complex system that uses 
celestial phenomena in order to study an individual's fate. This includes information not just about a person's character or psyche, but also about the concrete external circumstances and events that take place during the course of their life. What is fascinating about this is not only that someone in the ancient world would attempt to do something as incredible as design a system for studying fate, but that they were successful and that the system actually works. Hellenistic astrology was influenced by three distinct cultures. The Babylonians, the Egyptians, and the Greeks. The Babylonians produced the first written records of celestial observation some 4,000 years ago, tracking the movement of the planets and the relationship between the sun and the moon, marking astrology's true birthplace as the Middle East. Babylonian astrology was then influenced by Egyptian astrology, which emphasized diurnal rotation and introduced the concept of deacons, which eventually evolved into the houses. The Greeks were the philosophers, scientists, and mathematicians. They blended these systems and applied meaning to them, along with advancing astrology and astronomy greatly through innovations in mathematics. Hopefully by the end of this, you'll understand how deep and wondrous astrology truly is. The first signs of astrology appear around 2000 BCE, or over 4,000 years ago, with the Sumerians and Babylonians in the area once known as Mesopotamia, which is now modern-day Iraq. Ancient astrologers wrote their observations of the night sky in their ancient alphabet, cuneiform, on clay tablets, recording correlations between celestial and earthly events. The Babylonians observed rising, or when a planet would appear to rise in the sky, culmination, or when a planet reached the highest point in the sky, setting, when the planet is moving below the horizon, and also conjunctions, when two celestial bodies meet in the sky, like the moon appearing to line up with Jupiter. These first observations were what Chris calls simple celestial omens that showed cause and effect from the sky to the Earth. For example, if Mars meets Saturn in the sky, there will be a famine here on Earth. I don't know if that was really an omen, but it would go something like that. The Babylonians recorded hundreds of these celestial omens, and they were compiled into libraries and books for reference, the most famous being Enuma, Anu, and Lil, which consisted of 70 cuneiform tablets comprising 7,000 celestial omens. Now here's the thing. The early Babylonians didn't believe that the stars or planets had a direct effect on earthly events. And I don't know who kind of made that up. But they didn't. They didn't think that. Rather, they saw the stars as a heavenly language, a sort of messaging system from the gods foretelling upcoming events that would affect the community at large. And this type of astrology was known as mundane astrology, which is the branch of astrology that deals with large communities like cities or nations. It focuses mainly on weather and politics and was the only astrology practiced at that time. 
In the 8th century BCE, Mesopotamian astrologers slash astronomers, because they were both, came together to meticulously study the movement in the sky. Because over centuries of stargazing, they realized that some of the celestial bodies moved in a cyclical pattern, right? Orbits and also lunar phases. So these astrologer astronomers recorded every single movement every single day and compiled their notes together in what's referred to as astronomical diaries. All this work was essential for later mathematics that will be developed from all of this empirical note-taking. Now let's shoot over to Egypt really quick and take a look at how they were interpreting the night sky. The Egyptians were focused on the rising, culmination, and setting of the fixed stars rather than the planets, and they developed an intricate calendar system. Their calendar consisted of 12 months, with 30 days in each month and five days they'd add on to the end of the year. Each 30 days of the month was divided into thirds, or 10 days. And each 10 days would be associated with a different star or cluster of stars. These 10-day increments were called deacons. We see deacons represented on Egyptian coffins starting in 2100 BCE. So this system has been around almost as long as the Babylonians' observation of the planets. And Egyptians' calendar of 12 months with 30 days to each month parallels the eventual implementation of the 12 zodiac signs that take up 30 degrees each. Up until the zodiac was made the primary astrological symbolism, we were using constellations. And constellations, the zodiac is just a projection of the constellations, say, the constellation of the ram would be, to us, the zodiac sign Aries. But they're technically two different things. Constellations are actual star clusters that our ancient ancestors decided were certain animals, um, certain principles, certain, you know, people. And they measure differently. The zodiac belt is a circle around, it looks like a circle around us. So it does take up 360 degrees because the circle is 360 degrees. But the constellation Virgo is huge. So let's say it takes up 45 degrees while Sagittarius takes up, I don't know, let's say 23 degrees. And more goes into the change of that. That's very interesting. And we're going to talk about that when I talk about the zodiac signs. Uh, But I'm just going to leave that for now. It's just for you to mull over. Maybe you can look it up on your own. But in a couple of episodes, we're going to get back to that. And the other interesting thing is that the Egyptians focus on diurnal rotation as opposed to Babylonians focus on orbits. That is said to have paved the way for the idea of the houses. Because the Babylonians watched orbits, right? Even though they were watching rising, culmination, and setting, just like Egyptians, the planets were actually are actually moving, you know. So when they rise, they're actually moving, and they're moving to a higher, you know, depending on where you live in the in the world, they're moving to a different location in the sky. Fixed stars don't move. The Egyptians were going by an optical illusion. When we get into houses, I'm going to show you how diurnal rotation is what we use for houses. You know, that's why the rising sign always changes. Whatever zodiac sign is rising in the east 
is your rising sign. And that comes from the Egyptian idea of, you know, the stars that are rising. Now let's talk about Greece's role in astrology. And I want to preface this with before astrology even came sweeping through, Greece had some of the most incredible thinkers in our collective history. And I'm just going to mention just one person named Aristarchus of Samos. And he was alive between about 310 and maybe 250 BCE. And he was actually the first person to determine that we were heliocentric or our solar system is heliocentric, which means putting the sun in the center of the solar system. He was the first person. And that was almost a thousand years before Copernicus. But Aristotle and a massive figure in astrology named Ptolemy both pushed back against the idea. But that's how incredible those minds were. This is so long before, you know, what we a lot of times talk about as the first time anybody said that the sun is in the center of the solar system. And it wasn't. The first person who said it was in Greece, right around the time that astrology started showing up. And I just wanted to mention that because I think there's this sort of underlying assumption that if you are into astrology, you aren't intelligent. And this system or these systems were blended and filled out and made so complicated and complex by insane mathematicians, you know, like they didn't have what we have. They don't have telescopes. They don't have, they didn't have calculators. They didn't have things, you know, um, storing information so that they can continue to collect information. Like this was all in their own minds and worked out through their own math and they were right. So it's just, I just have to emphasize that. Like if you're into astrology you're probably actually very smart and you want to exercise your brain in this way. So go forth, please do it. Don't let anybody or anything tell you that it's a waste of time if you're really interested in it. It's a lot harder than most people think it is and it was way harder back then because they were creating the whole thing. So getting back to the history, the most influential thing that happened for Hellenistic astrology was Alexander the Great's conquering of Asia Minor and Egypt and Southeast Europe. He gained one of the largest land empires ever in history. It's not the largest, but it's way up there. So he connected all of these different groups. And what did he really connect? The Babylonians, the Egyptians, and the Greeks. And remember, that's what I said in the beginning. Those are the three cultures that made this happen. So to explain this a little more formally, from 334 to 323 BCE, Alexander the Great, Emperor of Greece, defeated the Persian army and gained control over Southeast Europe, Egypt, and the Middle East through Mesopotamia. And this dissolved the boundaries between all of these places. About 50 years later, around 280 BCE, a priest named Barossus moved from his home of Babylon to the Greek island of Kos in order to teach astrology and Babylonian culture to the Greeks. And the rest, as they say, is history. Astrology caught fire among the Greeks, and the blending of the disparate astrological systems began. And the sudden death of Alexander the Great marks the beginning 
according to historians, of the Hellenistic period, hence the term Hellenistic astrology. So literally, like, Alexander the Great conquered everything in like 10 years, and then he died like shortly after that. So astrology gets introduced, and then bam, all of a sudden, hundreds of years of creativity in astrology into the Roman Empire. There's a little bit more. But after that, all transmission. Everything that we really know about Hellenistic astrology or everything that we that was created for Hellenistic astrology, almost everything, not quite everything, but almost everything was created during that time. But what's actually most important in the history of Hellenistic astrology was Grecian control over Egypt and the prominent city of Alexandria. Not only was this a city of scholars and patrons willing to support the arts and sciences, but it was also where people spoke the ancient language and could translate these old astrological texts into Greek. So they needed that mother tongue in order to understand fully what was being written before they got a hold of it. Few more tidbits about this time, starting around the 5th century up until the fall of the Roman Empire, is when you see astrology peak. This is when we uh, started using zodiac signs of even length over the constellations that were uneven. Mathematics were developed to chart the planets from any point in time, and thus the natal chart became possible and horoscope astrology began. Ptolemy... The most famous astrologer of all time who published the epic book Tetrabiblos came from this time period. There's so many branches of astrology that were created and formulated during this time, so many charts, so many famous astrologers, so many principles and mathematics that would be overwhelming for me to state them all here. I would suggest you check out Chris Brennan's book in the description box below or Google research for more because it's quite fascinating, all the things that came out of this time period. Now let's move forward in time to the fall of the Roman Empire. A lot of our Western education talks about the Dark Ages, when everything was uncertain and life was monotonous, dangerous, and totally uninspired. And it's unfortunate that we leave out what was going on in the Middle East at that time because it was the exact opposite. They were experiencing what's known as the Islamic Golden Age. They got a hold of the Hellenistic texts on astrology and translated them from Greek to Arabic. So basically, astrology returned home to its origins. Astrology remained in the Islamic world until a Jewish scholar named Abraham Ibn Ezra came along. And it's amazing how much one person's actions can affect the course of events of a whole celestial study. Ibn Ezra was a poet, grammarian, biblical exegete, philosopher, astronomer, astrologer, and a physician. He lived in Spain until 1140 and then moved around for years until he landed in Rome. And he could speak and write in many languages, including Hebrew, Latin, and Arabic. His endless interest in astrology compelled him to take the Arabic astrology text derived from the Greeks and translate them into Hebrew and other European languages, and then it spread through European countries. 
And astrology flourished in England in the 1700s due to William Lilly. And then in late 19th century, that's when astrology came to America. So there's a lot of people I've left out. There's a lot of, you know, facts that I've left out. And I'm actually thinking I might do a blog post on all like the really fascinating people of astrology, because there's a lot of fascinating women in astrology as well. And all the people who discovered the modern planets, the comets. But I would just want to leave you with one last thing. Because I think it's gotten we've, we've gone a little far. And I, I want to make sure that you all are able to digest all of this. Um, but something that nobody really talked about is what happened in 1992, which is called Project Hindsight. And Project Hindsight is a large group of astrologers that came together from all over the world to directly translate Hellenistic texts from Greek, from, you know, that Greek language, because, you know, language changes from century to century. So even ancient Greek language into modern day English. So there was a long period of time that, you know, there was no expectations of astrologers. There was no authority. There was no, you know, there was maybe schools, but there's just not a lot of legitimacy around it anymore. Um, So any new astrologer can kind of come up with something new or, or say, you know, what they think about something and it can get implemented, even if it doesn't really go along with what has what the formulas were and the things that actually worked. And one of those things was applying rulership to modern planets. And we'll talk about that another time too. But when you hear somebody say Neptune rules Pisces, that's actually not true in Hellenistic astrology. And in Vedic astrology, Neptune and Uranus and Pluto aren't even on the chart at all. So it's just the um, just the, the original planets in the sun and the moon. So when you go back to Hellenistic astrology and you take the rulerships off of the modern planets, it actually really helps your chart interpretations. So those were little things that started happening because there was no authority. There was no, you know, um, just group of people looking over it and saying, okay, this is the way that it's done. So Project Hindsight was basically to give the now astrologer the purified, this is what Hellenistic astrology is this is this is the actual you know formulas these are the reasons we do why the things that we do these are the rulerships these are the you know there's so 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 much I'm just not saying all of it because it's just going to go over your head so my teacher actually from NCGR I'm uh, working towards my astrology certification she was a part of Project Hindsight and she speaks Hebrew she's I think from Israel And uh, I know that everything's going on between Israel and Palestine, but that doesn't have to do with history. And I do want to emphasize that throughout most history, the Arabic and the Jewish communities have lived side by side and extremely harmoniously. And it is terrible to see, you know, just what a lot of capitalistic and colonialism will do to all of us. And I don't want to make a statement on what's going on, but uh, I do want to say that it was really beautiful to walk back through this and see a lot of things that we as in Western communities in Europe and um, America, I, I would imagine maybe Australia, but really the Western communities are just taught about, you know, we're only taught about our history. And it's important to look at everyone else's history that may not feel like it directly affects you, but it does help you understand that there's so much more than what's going on right now. And hopefully we can come to a place of peace and coexistence that they've, they've had. And we, a lot of us have had for thousands of years. So I just wanted to say that, um, 
And I hope all of you have a wonderful week. I hope you're doing okay. Please step away from social media if you need to. And next week, I will be coming back on with the basics of astrology. So you're going to learn literally what the basics are so that you can start your journey with astrology yourself. Take care, everyone. Blessed be. Blessed be.